Hello, everyone. We are live, episode 32 of the Fitness Business Growth Podcast. I'm here with Abe. How are you, mate? Doing great, man. How are you doing, Jamie? Excellent, man. I'm really excited to have Abe. He's one of the most talented fitness closers I've ever met. Today, we're going to cover three massive topics. What is sales? How to get better at sales and some sales myths. Cue the intro and we'll be back. Welcome to the Fitness Business Growth Podcast a podcast run by gym owners for gym owners. My name is Mitch, and along with Jamie, we are your hosts, and we will be discussing all the important things that you need to run a successful fitness business. From marketing, to lead generation, to sales, to retention, to staff, and much, much more. So if you are a fitness business owner, then this is for you. We hope you enjoy the following episode and we will speak with you soon. Well, Ayo, I'm so excited to have you today. There's nothing I like talking about more than sales while having a cup of tea with a friend. There it goes, man. Got some beverage. Yeah. Well, mate, I think we should start with, I guess, how we met each other. So we have a mutual friend, James Kent, and James said, Jamie, you have to speak to Abe, have to speak to Abe. He's an amazing salesperson. And since then, we've been doing some work together for the last couple of months. Uh, Abe is helping us with our done for you everything client, selling a shit ton of 28 day challenges and six week challenges. But before we get more into fitness sales itself, Abe, if I met you at a party and I said, Abe, what do you do? How would you respond? It's interesting. So these, I like to ask questions, man. Like that's the bottom line. Like sales is great for that, but in general, I am a question asker. So I go, yeah, I like asking questions about things. I'm curious, and uh, so that that's kind of the thread that runs throughout anything that I've done. Um, so you're not a sleazy used car salesman. You're not sleazy. You're not pushing products down your <laughs> throats. You're not you're not playing Jedi mind tricks. No, I always wanted to be a Jedi though, but not like in any type of like black hat, even gray hat kind of stuff. No, like. Yeah. I never, I didn't even understand what sales actually was, man. Cause I was in conservation for 17 years in Hawaii. So I like, I, I was doing sales there, but I didn't realize that's what it was. It was just yeah. change. It's funny, mate. Cause like, if you, we got really broad, like what is sales? And it's a great saying, but it's true. Is like, you're always being sold or you're selling, whether you're trying to persuade your partner, what you want for dinner when you're trying to get across your opinion, your point of view, whether you're trying to motivate staff, everything is sales and it comes down to asking a great quality question and almost like we're all selfish. We all want what we want. It's just how can we get there with integrity, skilled while making it feel like it's their decision? Absolutely. Like, and so James, James can't, like, so he recommended this book to me because uh, we were doing a coaching session back in like uh, January or February. And he's like, dude, you got to check out this book called Transurfing, Reality Transurfing. And one of the tenants in this book is intention so there's inner intention and outer intention and the inner intention is how do i get what i want kind of stuff and the best way to get what you want is to figure out what other people want what their inner intention is and help them get that and then it comes back to you i think this is i think this is a zig ziglar quote like if you help get as many if you help people get what they want you'll never have to ask for anything ever again similar principle yeah same kind of thing and yeah well, I, I like very, like very broadly. If I was to ask you a question, what is sales? Like, 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 what is sales? How do you view sales? In one word, it's change. Um, but in another way, can I, I stop you there? Define change. 
Well, I think if there's one, and I've heard it said that if there's one constant in the universe, it's, it's change. So it's a, uh, I suppose it's, it can be growth, but it could also de be de-evolution on the way too. So it's either you're, you're either climbing up the mountain or you're sliding down the mountain kind of thing. Like there's no real stasis. So it's either one, one way or the other. And so we're, we're making a decision to go up or not making a decision, which is the same as not making a decision sometimes and going yeah. down. So I guess what you're saying is at all, po at all points in times, there is change in absolutely everything. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, so, so this is going to go, they're going to take a little view here, but I've, I've gone to the Amazon. I've gone to the Amazon a handful of times and done traditional plant medicine work there with, with like shamans that are doing stuff in the traditional way it's been done for thousands of years. And in those ceremonies, one of the things that I felt was, it was a very visceral experience of understanding that at every moment we are making decisions. Oh, let me say at every moment I am making a decision through everything. So everything, every little action I take, but every thought that I take, every impulse that leads to a thought is a decision. There's a branch. There's a, are you going this way? Or are you going that way? And all these micro choices, if you will, add up to take you to a different place. And so sales, what we do as salespeople and sales professionals, which again, I did not understand for a long time because I didn't realize that I would like it or because I, I didn't know what it was, is that it's, it's leadership through helping someone else get to their, get closer to their desired state if that's what they want to do. But we're there to help guide. So we're like Sherpas, as James Kent talks about. Like, we love that. Mountain, right? Yeah. And it's so, almost bringing awareness to those people let's talk about fitness in particular, like the person that is staying up late, watching the episode on Netflix, going to bed late, they're not aware of it, but they've made the change to be a lesser version of themselves when they get five hours sleep. And mm -hmm. that just leads into, okay, well, I'm tired. I need more coffee, more stimulants, more shit food. And that leads into an unproductive day at work. That leads to low self-esteem. That leads to watching Netflix again. That leads to 10 years of, bad decisions and putting on weight. And that's where, like, for me, like, I know what you've done some work with Jeremy Miner and EPQ, but that problem awareness category for me, Abe, is the most important thing. It's like making them aware that, like, hey, like, you are making decisions. It's understanding the current state, right? And, like, problem what – so that's an interesting thing because, like, diving into pain can open up Pandora's box with that too. Yeah, you know, you can because that's one thing that I've always been is one of the gifts that I've had is that people open up to me. Like I've had people tell me stories like I'm just like, wow, that's like just some really amazing slash intense things. But if you're actively trying to dig into pain and even in fitness, too, like I almost cried on a call last week, this woman, like, I mean, it was I wasn't looking for it either. It just like opened up and it was heartbreaking, this stuff. And so you got to be, I have to be careful digging into pain. So I try to build the gap to where they want to go from where they're at. Like I do want to find what's motivating them, but I don't just like start fucking poking in there. Like yeah. it can get, it can, it, again, it can go some, some places that I'm not equipped to handle. Like, you know, yeah. I've had tons of calls a eh, where like we've had women like bawling their eyes out, telling me that they haven't been naked in front of their husbands for 20 years. And 
the way that we're viewed as sleazy salespeople, that's like an honor to hear that information. Like I've made that prospect feel that comfortable within 15 minutes. That they're telling me something that they may not have even, even told their best friend. And the ability to sell, the ability to create change is so beautiful and so powerful if it's done the right way. Well, that's where the integrity comes into line because there's an amazing amount of trust that people give us because it is easier a lot of times to tell somebody that you don't know that you've just met, just open up and start telling everything, everything. Cause, cause they're like, well, I don't know you. Like I can do that. You know, you see, I don't know you. I'm never going to see you again. It's easier to just tell somebody stuff than like tell your friend something, somebody that you're like, well, maybe you're going to judge me later. I don't know. So that's a responsibility because we, we sell on responsibility and commitment. And that's a responsibility that we have when people, when the conversation, there's a moment when shit gets real, right? When you're like, Oh, Oh, things just got real here. They just, they just really told me something real there. Yeah. That's where, that's where the conversation shifts. And then that's where it can start to really build the, the inertia to get them away from the pattern that they've been stuck in. Right. Netflix staying up late. Got to get up. Now they're tired. All the things, the stimulants, the food, nasty. It's like there's gravity in that. And they have yeah. the inertia to pull out of that. And so those moments is where we can build that momentum to get out of that, that well. Yeah. And our job is to ask great questions to help them identify themselves. Like, Hey, like I am making decision that is preventing me from making change or I'm changing in the exact opposite way of what's aligned to my goals days and, and who I want to become. And I think where sales gets a bad rep, Abe is people, especially gym owners, men, especially fitness online coaches, they tell people what they're doing wrong. You shouldn't stay up late. You should go to bed early. You should count your, calories, count your macros. And if you tell someone, like, I don't like being told anything, right? Like nobody does. Like no one likes being preached to or lectured. So I, I would encourage other fitness business owners. If so, one of the best things I ever learned, Abe, was from one of my mentors, AP, who, who probably taught me more about sales than anyone else. And it was just like, uh, it was a really, I mean, it was, it was one of my core recordings and it was a big mistake. And it was like, someone said, I need accountability. I'm like, yeah, you need accountability because of X, Y, Z. And he just said, Jamie, like, shut the fuck up. He said, ask that person. Oh, like accountability. Like, what, what do you mean by that? And they will repeat back to them exactly what I was going to tell them. And then if you tell yourself something, it is so much more powerful. And it's their idea. Like one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm a movie buff. 2009 Inception, Christopher Nolan. They need to put the idea in their own head. Inception versus assumption. Like assumption is dangerous, right? Inception versus assumption. I like that. Because, you know, you know what happens when you assume, right? You make an ass out of you and me, right? And it's just, hey it's so easy to be like, Oh, I know exactly what that means. Like, Oh, I need to be held accountable. Oh, I totally know what that means. No, no, I don't know what that means for that person. So understanding and getting that clarification to really create some, like a bond in, in the understanding because otherwise lost in translation. It's not yeah. a fun movie, but yeah. Another good one is like, that. so when they tell themselves something, it's called cognitive dissonance. And it's the exact same thing was like, if someone says to you on a, on a sales call, I've tried keto, I've tried fasting, I've tried Jenny Craig. Our response as fitness professionals is keto sucks, Jenny Craig shit, 
fucking doesn't work. When you can say, oh, Keto, like I've heard about that. Like, would you, would you mind running me through like how that experience was for you? And of course it was a bad experience because they're on the call with you today. Like let them tell you what they don't like about keto. I lost weight on keto. I enjoyed it, but I found it really restrictive. I did lose a couple of kilos and then I gained it back on, put it, put it back on, sorry. So then when you're pitching towards the end, you would bring it back to that. Okay, so our approach is sustainable because as you mentioned previously, you did keto and you put the weight back on. So we want to make sure that you enjoy what you're doing, sustainable so you can keep the weight off for the rest of your life. Like, <laughs> It's just, you got to ask more questions. And not all questions are created equal too, because it's easy to go, well, like, why do you feel like keto didn't work? Well, if they knew why keto didn't work, they would have been able to fix it. And a lot of times, like, so, and that's one that I've played with. I've done both ways where I've been coached to, to dive into those type of things. Like, why, why do you feel like that? Didn't, and then I've been coached in other ways to, to not do that as much. And I've noticed that's much more helpful because a lot of times, again, if they knew why they've been failing, if they knew why the things hadn't been worked, they wouldn't be on that call in the first place. So that's a way to bring up doubt and that can seed doubt that what we are offering at this moment might not work as well. So that's interesting. You've learned something new. Now, are you not probing that area or how do you, how do you broach that subject? I don't go into, one of the things that I like asking is, it's really about what are you doing now? And like, do you feel like what you're doing now is going to get you to where you want to go as quickly as you want to get there? Or do you feel like you need to make some kind of, some kind of changes? And I'm like, well, what I'm doing right now isn't working. I mean, I, I need to make changes. Sometimes they're like, oh, I need to make huge changes. I'm like, whoa, we don't have to, like, you don't have to do anything. Like, why? Like, why make a change? It's going to be hard. Like, it's not going to be easy. And then they sell, and then they're like, well, I have to do it because of this, and I have to do it because of that. And then you're like, oh, okay. So now I can understand that person's, those re their reasons more without, it's an invitation for them to actually express what they're actually feeling and what they're actually wanting rather than feeling like they're being pushed down a path or pushed up a path. Because again, that's. What you did then is said, like, why would you even change? It's going to be hard. Not a salesperson on earth would say that because you're almost like, hey, like, <laughs> hey, yeah. like, let's phone and like go about your day like you don't have to yeah why would you want to do that like and that's like because that's something they're going to face like because even if you do get them across the line oh well yeah you got to do it they're going to run across that as soon as they get off the call they're like oh man like i gotta do this this is going to be hard like i don't know if i want to do this when they show up to the gym second set of reps like they're going to be why this is hard they have to commit that's why you got to sell on commitment and responsibility because if they're not committed in the call and if they don't face that and make that choice, that micro choice right there, it's going to come up later on. So you gotta, I feel like you gotta really like, you gotta meet those, you gotta meet those little monsters like head on and challenge them because they're going to be challenged later. So yeah. it's an interesting thing, right? Like if he sells calls all the time where people, they pick up on an objection. Like I did this program before and it was really expensive and you know full well that your, your program is more expensive than that program. And people will wait to the end of the call and they'll give you, hey, and you talk to my partner when clearly it's probably a cost objection. When if someone says, hey, this program was really expensive. Oh, like, tell me more about that. Like, how was, how was it expensive for you? And they might say, oh, well, I had to pay up front when they wanted to pay on a payment plan. So then is it too expensive or they just didn't like how they paid for it? So just, I cannot stress to any salesperson, ask more questions. As you said, don't assume anything. <laughs> 
and even with that too, it's like, okay, well, it was expensive and there's clarification to do on that. Like, what do you mean by that compared to what, all those kinds of things. But at the same time, well, did that, did you get the results that you were looking for with it? No. Okay. Well, that's a different context on it was expensive and I didn't get the result. Or if I did get the, if you did get the results and you're like, well, but was it worth it to get the results? And if not, like, what is it costing you to, you know? So, if, you're speaking, if you're speaking to an overweight person that wants to lose 20 kilos and you had a magic wand and said, I can help you lose 20 kilos tomorrow, what would that person actually pay? Like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And your program is that magic wand if you explain it in an elegant way, which meets their needs. So quite often when that cost objection comes up, it's got nothing to do with the money. Don't get me wrong. Logistical cost does exist, does exist. But like if so, especially like what we're selling, mate, like group gym memberships, like everyone on earth knows it's around that 50 or 60 a week mark. So cost should never be the issue. And what's it costing them to not make a change, especially in the long run? Because if you're having health issues or if you're having you know, memories that you're not able to have, that they're not able to have with family because they're like, I can't keep up with my kids. I get tired and I'm winded. Like, what is that worth? And so that's where it still comes down to commitment and responsibility where it's on them to actually make those choices so that they can actually have those things that they want and make choices to redivert resources if they need to so that they can get the result that they're actually looking for because that's, that's what it's most about. And if you care about your prospect and your goal is to serve them and you ask the right questions, there is a grave cost to them not being happy. And I think for, for fit pros out there that, so I used to struggle, Abe, I used to struggle a lot with the why. And I used to struggle a lot really with the cost of inaction because I knew I was going to evoke an emotion, but that was me being uncomfortable. And I took that into the phone call. And it's not about upsetting the prospect, but it's understanding that like, hey, like they haven't made a decision for 20 years. If sales is about change, we want to create change. We need to walk them down a path and give them evidence that what they're doing isn't working, that they want to change, why it's important to them. But more importantly, like, what does it truly fucking look like? What does it truly look like for that lady who hasn't been naked in front of her husband? Is that not being naked in front of her husband for the rest of her life? Because that is reality. Are you willing to let that continue? Because ultimately... Inaction is inaction can be tough. Like I, 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 I just go into it like anymore. Noticed, <laughs> but you know, man. Sometimes there's sometimes I'm like, oh my god. Like I know this is so. I gotta like set it up a little bit differently sometimes when it's like it's already kind of there, and I'm like, oh, I don't need to ask it. But when I don't ask it, whenever I don't, I, I I'm like later I'm like, mm. yeah. So just, just, like, so just to clarify the audience, the cost of inaction. If you ask someone why it's important that they lose weight, why it's important they earn X amount of money, why is it important they fix their relationship, health, wealth, and relationships, what people all sell, is the cost of inaction is, well, what happens if you, if you don't? What happens, happens if you if don't? Nothing changes. Yeah. yeah. But, but like the cost of inaction is ginormous because if you're selling relationships like marriage coaching, the cost of inaction is divorce and 50% of your net worth. <laughs> And if your program is $5,000 and your net worth is $1 million, it could literally cost you half a million dollars if you don't put a few things into place to fix that relationship. Same with fitness. The cost of inaction leads to a knee replacement 
cardiovascular disease. Like, what is the cost of that? And if your program is 50 a week, it's, 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 it doesn't matter. And that's where the gap is really important because the more that gap is expanded. And then again, you can do two different ways. Like you can dive into pain and, and, and stretch it down that way. And then you don't have to go up as high, but I prefer to like, Hey, what do you really want? Like, wh- what is the dream? What does the vision look like? You know, the vision and re- and why again, the, not just the reason now, but the deeper meaning behind what they want that stretches it. And the longer that gap or the wider that gap is, once you build that out and then you're like, well, you don't have to, what does it look like if nothing changes? Oh mm. my God, no, I just couldn't handle that anymore. I'm like, what you could, you don't have to. And you don't like, I can't make you do anything. Like I can't, I can't make anybody do anything. Like the only thing I can do is influence myself the best that I can. Right. Mm-hmm. So how I, how I do that aid myself is I just say like, so like, like, like why bother? Like why, why, why now? And I have a, a, a different tone where it's like, why even bother? Like, come on, like, just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. doesn't matter. Why now? And if you ask that question with the right tone, they'll almost get angry. Like, because I have to do it. it and if someone, says, because I, if someone says, because I have to do it, and then you pitch your product, the price isn't going to be that expensive. And those are even times to push back even more because again like you don't have to do you want to and they're like well no i want to okay because like because even if it's has to that's still a pressure that's still like oh i should do this i'm like stop shooting all over yourself like those are all things that we should be doing clarify when you say commitment and responsibility questions it's almost like they obviously buy with emotions but along the call, you're giving them commitment and responsibility so they justify logically of why they have to do it. And more importantly, once you finish the phone call, results in less refunds and a higher adherence to them being successful in X program. Yeah, and at the end, they get a, it was like, awesome. Like, you just made, like, how do you feel? You just made a decision to actually, like, stop this thing that's been going on for the last five years that you haven't been able to get out of. How does that feel? And they're like, oh, my so- God, like. Yeah, that is so important, right? Because we're not mind-fucking anyone. Like, no. it's, they are making the decision. We are just walking them down a path with integrity, with intelligence, with emotion, with care, with respect for their best interests at heart. Like, once you – if you do a sales call and you hang up and think, I just pulled a fast one, one, you're a piece of shit. Two, you're not going to be in sales for long. Yeah, that – I mean, that's – I mean, to even go back to the Amazon thing, I mean, there's, and that's like Jedi stuff. There's Jedi and there's Sith, right? There's the light side and there's the dark side. And that dark stuff, that always comes at a cost. And that, and that's the case. We all know, like we all have our internal compass. And I just know anytime I'm not fully on the straight and narrow, like it doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. And that creates, again, momentum that comes back and creates a balance that needs to be reset and so it comes back upon so that's where that integrity level has to be like really high for myself like i just can't Ugh. yeah 100 100 and just like i've never met a successful salesperson that has longevity that sold unethically that sold with dishonesty 
And even if you sell with integrity and honesty, but you're the fucking hammer, like I used to be, it is not an enjoyable job and you will absolutely burn out. If you're on the phone smacking people left, right and center to get them to bend to your will, like you may make sales at the start, but you're going to burn out. The prospects, you, you, the prospect, the worst thing is to Abe is like when you're a talented salesperson, you can outwit them, you can outlogic them and you can corner them where they've got nowhere to go. You can, yeah, you can corner them. Like, and then like, there's that Mexican standoff at the end of the phone call where like, so what are you going to do now? (laughs) (laughs) It's just not a good way to sell. And I, I, I speak about that because that's how I sold like 10 years ago when that's what I thought sales was, was like outwitting them and having more conviction. Don't get me wrong, conviction is important, but like just, it's just not the right way to sell. And that's where like, objection handling, whether you're doing it throughout the call or whether it's at the end, especially at the end, because that's where I'll just sit in the pocket with them. Like I'll, I'll, I'll objection handle all day. Like, you know, but what's important is do you believe that this actually can get you the result that you're looking for? Yes. Okay. Why do you feel like it can? Oh, because you're going to do this for me and you're going to do this and you have this, and this is exactly what I was looking for. Okay. Well, in that case, and then if, hey, I got to do this, I got to go think about it, this and that, I will sit in the pocket with them and work because objections are just problems. Those are concerns to be hand, not not to ha- be handled, but to be understood and to be uh, addressed with leadership through a process to get them to their result because it can get them to their result. They told them all the problems. Here's the things that they're going to get if they solve their problem. Well, I want to help them get there. So now my job is to help them actually get through that difficult part of the climb up the mountain, the Sherpa, right? Hey, this is, this is the tough part, man. Like it's steep and you're like, Oh, I got to get across and you got to shimmy across the edge. And so how can we do that? And so just buying into their fear of change because change is scary. We're, we're human. So, so we're always, there's the, the mixture between we always want to be growing because we don't like being stale as a species. We want to grow. We want to explore. We want to develop. But at the same time, unknown is scary. So there's that double mm. edge. And so having that leadership to help somebody through it is really satisfying when you get through it. 100%. And like I remember when I was selling high ticket fitness, like 3,000, 3,500 plus, you complete the sale, they pay in full. That, that money's gone. They signed the contract. Like, how do you feel? And when they say, I'm really excited, I want to thank you so much for helping me. I want to change Royal. It really is an amazing feeling. You're having that transformational experience with them on the phone. And it's been for 26 minutes now, Abe, on answering one question, what is sales? And I like that word. It is change. And it is asking skilled questions to get someone to change, either make a good decision, stay where they are, or move backwards because there is no other option because change is always occurring. Those crossroads and we're all at different crossroads all the time. So it just comes down to yeah, the quality of the questions that we ask others, but also the, the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. So it's the quality of the questions that I ask myself as well. Actually, yeah. I think it's a Tony Robbins quote, like the quality of a question is the quality of your life. And if, and if you ask a question, how can I earn $1,000 one month? or how can I earn $20,000 one month, you're going to come up with very different answers. And it requires the same amount of effort to answer that. Yeah. 
and even that that's just like a level of again like level of courage or a level of fear to ask like a bigger question or a smaller question when ultimately you're still gonna have to put in work so mm. you know sometimes the bigger the bigger goal is easier because so many people do shoot for smaller goals so it's actually more crowded in the uh in the smaller goal region 100 percent. So my goal abe is to be one of the best fitness business coaches in Australia. There's probably three of them, and I want to be in that trio. That is that is my goal. And that's what I, that's what I'm working towards. And the, and the other three are legends. They're fucking great at what they do. So I have to be as good as them. Well, and that's the again, that's the commitment and responsibility that you're holding yourself to, so that you can reach your goals, get the result that you're looking for. So that's again just doing sales on yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's, we started with everything. Like sales is everything. Like you. You sell yourself. You sell yourself on why you want to eat healthy today. You sell yourself on hitting the snooze button. You sell yourself on why you're not going to speak to your partner that day. Like you, like you're all that internal. Dis- if change is constant, Abe, that internal discussion in your head is, is is constant too. And that's where it's fun to kind of run run the old sales process on the self too. And yeah. Like, oh, I want to do this, or I want to slack a little bit. Like, okay, well, what's the goal? Okay, do I want to get that? What ha- am I willing to allow that to happen? You know, and that objection handle yeah. myself. So, AB sales has changed. Like, in your opinion, how do you get better at sales? Like, if you've got three tips, how does someone get better at sale sales? One like anything, you got to do it. You got to flex. You got to work the muscle out. And then the other side is, I mean, it's like music as well. Like you got to actually play the songs. Um, you got to learn your scales. You got to learn your chords. Can I jump in there, mate? Yeah. I hadn't done a sales call for about six weeks, and I had a gym call for my gym last week, and I was rusty, and I, I could not believe. Like I did three thousand calls last year. I had six weeks off. One call for my gym rusty i was forgetting the script i was bumbling so i could not agree more like to be an excellent sales people person you need to sell you need you need to have that consultation and there's study too so it's like the actual sales call to me is like going on stage and just playing like don't think about scales and chords and you just get up there and play just jam like be present but then you got to go study too you got to go woodshed you got to practice you got to role play you got to play your scales and your chords and your arpeggios and work the chord changes and study some theory. You got to go in and transcribe a song and like, oh, what are they doing there? That's interesting. So uh, that's where coaching comes in line too. And like learning from the best that you can find. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what I've been doing, you know, working at the objection box, working with Bill Walsh and the team there and the things that they do and really the training and the coaching it's the same thing with fitness coaching and you know bill was a fitness coach you gotta like you gotta you gotta have somebody from the outside because if if coaching wasn't important then you know why would sports athletes have coaches why would they have multiple types of coaches they have a nutrition coach you got a cardio coach you got a strength coach you got a technique coach all the different all the different yeah in the fitness realm people are paying you for coaching. They're paying you for fitness coaching. It would make sense that if you need expertise in sales and marketing, you would pay a marketing coach and a sales coach to develop the skills. And if you, if you develop those skills, then you actually coach more people yourself at the fitness level. And then there's congruence factor because if, 
if, if there's a coach that doesn't also get coached by an outside force, I mean, like, come on, like, Hey coach, you, you're saying that you want you, I need a coach to do this thing. Who coaches you on different things? Oh, you don't have a coach. Yeah. Oh, you're too good for a coach. Oh, okay. You know what makes me laugh, mate? Like it makes me laugh. I cack myself. If someone books in a sales call with me, like a fitness, like a fitness coach books in a sales call for our done be everything, and they no show the call. <laughs> it just like I just like I, I I couldn't care less. Like honestly, don't care. Something may have come up, but that same fitness coach is the person that oh people don't show up, people fill in lead forms, they don't show up. Like it happens across the board. Like, are you living with congruency? I heard the phrase, I think Francine was talking about it. I think it's like mirror, mirror on the wall. Guess who's coming to your call? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it happens, right? Whatever the objection that you give is the objection you're going to get. And so that's why as salespeople too, like I don't, I don't jump on a sales call unless I'm like ready to buy basically <laughs> because yeah. I don't know. I could be like, oh, I need to think about it. Oh, I need to talk to my wife. Like, no, like that's not, that's not going to happen. You know, if it's something that I need and I want to do, and but I get a little, oh, no, well, I got to go for it. Like, because if I know it's in my best interest, I got to do it. Because I'm also not going to have that incongruence factor hanging over my head because that's just not within my best interest. And it's just out of alignment. And it is all about alignment because that's where efficiency is. That's where smooth is. And that's what, that's what nature likes, you know, it likes efficiency and likes, it doesn't want to waste energy unnecessarily. Yeah. My best experience coaching, Abe, was I spent 15,000 USD on systems by design. Um, it was a program to teach people how to run online fitness programs. Um, during that coaching program, got our online coaching business to 100 members in seven weeks. So we were making 4,000 a week instantly, like instantly 4,000 mm -hmm. a week, 200K reoccurring, spent 15,000 USD. But out of that, Abe, I ended up getting a job selling high ticket for the people that ran SVD. Not only that, like I've become great friends with one of the owners. And not only that, like that coaching program, selling for that company and watching how they run an eight-figure business is solely responsible for our done for you everything. Right. So like that fifteen thousand dollars that I spent is just going to like, I don't know what the multiple is going to be at the time the I was compounding. Oh man, like infinite, infinite, infinite amount of money. So what do you think about when you think about the path not taken? In that case, it was the path to not make a change. Mm. Well, it's interesting, actually. I was speaking to James uh, and I was... There's no way to know, but what do you feel like that path would have... Yeah, well, I was speaking to James and I was, up, I was tossing up between two coaches. One was Systems by Design and one was another guy in Australia. And James said, like, they're the best in the world. You'd be fucking stupid to go with the other one. Just direct James as always. And I went, okay. Yeah. And then like, but if I didn't go with that one, like my life would be completely different. So you're right. It's just back to change again. Do you have moments in your life that you can trace things back to that, you know, cause there's different, we're always making branches and this and that, but there's different, there's a I moment where you're like a big one, that mate. moment right there. If I wouldn't have done that thing the and biggest... not a big decision, just a, can you, can, do you have any moments that were seemingly inconsequential moments, but in retrospect were yeah. major branches? Hundred like, percent. Like? Moment of my and Mitch's life was, we were in San Diego in a hostel with these three girls from WA, and we became very friendly with them very quickly. And we started to travel the west coast of the US with them, and we ended up in this small town called Kelowna, three hours northwest of Vancouver. 
ended up being on a mountain called Big White for six weeks, hated the mountain, came down, and we ended up getting a job at World Gym in Kelowna. It was 2012. I went for a job interview there as a membership consultant. I met a guy, and I'd I'd call him my first ever mentor. He looked me dead in the face. Keep in mind, minimum wage was 10.25 per hour. I was happy with that at the time. He goes, Jamie, you're either going to earn 100k this year, or I'm going to fire you. And it just threw me back in my seat because 100k back then was like, like I couldn't even believe it. And I met him. And then Mitch and I went down this big self-development path of Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and my mentor's work. And it changed my life from like partying, drinking, smoking, doing all the wrong things to, okay, like I want to achieve X, Y, Z. I need to start putting X, Y, Z in place. So that was probably, probably the biggest moment of my life was just somehow ending up in Kelowna at World Gym to meet this, this one mentor. It's, it's, the power of the, again, those seemingly inconsequential moments and all those little micro decisions that can lead. And, and in the sales conversation can be the same way, like a single word, single tone can just like, what's that, drop moment, different. what's that moment for you, mate? Can, can you trace back any one moment, any decision that led you down a path you didn't believe? There was one, uh, there was a, so I was a bike tour guide. Uh, and so on Maui, we'd go up for, we'd go to the top of the mountain for sunrise and then right now coast down bike cruiser all the way down to the ocean every day. So I was doing that, but I was like, I would get up at like one in the morning. And so I was always tired. And there was this night where this guy's like, Hey man, like come over to this, uh, like they're having, they're showing a movie outside in the backyard and all this stuff. I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I don't know if I want to go do that. So I went there and because of that, I ended up meeting a whole branch of people that led into my conservation career. Like I wouldn't have, it's just everything, every, basically everything. Because I went on a Friday night, I didn't go, I'm tired. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to go to that party. Boom. Whole offshoot from that because of the people that I met there, which led me to the other people, which led to the things, which led to the things. Unbelievable. Mm. Just my time. I'm too tired. Because how many times did we hear that on fitness calls? Yeah. Oh, I'm just too tired. So I don't go to the gym that day. Yeah. yeah, I think combining with those those meaningful those meaningless moments that turn out to be major events in our life that send us down that pathway. This is a big moment, actually. I'm not sure if James actually remembers this, but so I met James through fitness coaching. I was I wanted to lose ten kilos on my thirtieth birthday, and I paid his coaching, not cheap. Uh, and James didn't set up my direct debit properly, so he was coaching me for twelve weeks. And I hadn't paid him. And he didn't realize, he didn't realize, I didn't realize until Mitch said, hey, mate, like I'm going through our taxes, bookkeeping. Have you paid James? I went, oh, yeah, I think so. And at that point, I ended up calling James, hey, mate, I owe you money. Here's $1,200. If I was a fuckwit, if I didn't pay him that money, if I blocked him on Facebook, blocked his phone call, it wouldn't have led to joining SBD. It wouldn't have led to meeting you, right? So I think... All those little decisions matter, but I think what's really important too is like how you treat people really fucking matters. Like how you treat every single person that you meet and just by doing the right thing, going back to selling with integrity, like treat people the same way that you want to be treated. And I think it comes, I think it comes back around. And that even goes back into how you treat yourself, like how I treat myself, because I mean, one of the things I've kind of found is like the people who treat other people shitty they treat themselves shitty first. Right? 100%. And so being kind to ourselves 
and being compassionate with ourselves, which again is the thing that comes up on that call. It's like when women are like, oh, I just hate myself. I'm like, whoa, easy. That's strong word there. Like, mm. what do you mean? Do you really hate yourself? Like, yeah, what do you mean you hate yourself? Like, what's, what's going on there? And so having that integrity again, having that congruence within ourselves allows us to then kind of broadcast that into the world, which then brings it back. So it's that same that same aspect where it still comes down into sales, doing what's, that's the first rule of sales, do what's in the best interest of the client. Or rule number one. 100%. So. 100%. It's interesting that moment, mate, you mentioned about like, what was that moment for you? And I, I knew it instantly. Instantly I knew what it was. So I thought about it. I haven't actually consciously thought about it, but subconsciously I knew what it was, right? So I think, what were those moments that led you to meet your partner, that led you to your career, that led you to having a family? Like it all, it's all just, it's just amazing how it all comes full circle. But um, that I remember like that, oh man, like just the chances of us. So me and Mitch actually bought an RV and we're driving to Arizona. We're coming to the college just for, for one big, big fuck off party. We're like 23. Yeah, probably. We bought this, we bought this RV for like 1500 bucks. Got us just out of San Diego. I was driving on the wrong side of the road. It broke down. And we ended up going back to the hostel that we came from. And it was $10 all you could drink. I showed them. <laughs> uh, and those three girls from WA that we traveled with were still there. And if that RV didn't break down, if we weren't in that, that San Diego hostel, we wouldn't have ended up in Kelowna, wouldn't have worked for World Gym, wouldn't have learned so much about sales and marketing, which just led down the path of self-development. And that's that lesson of things are working out even when oh shit the rv broke down hey things are working out things yeah. are working out this is the lesson that I, I continually have to learn and remind myself of like especially when bad things happen or seeming you know things that are undesirable or like tragedies and things it's like that's when it's challenging to say things are working out because good things will come of it and unfortunately there has to be you know like all life is suffering as buddha says so it's about how we, for myself, again, speaking for myself, it's about how I walk through that myself and lead myself through that so that then in the context of sales, I can help other people walk through that themselves, especially if you get on a yeah. call and shit gets real and they're suffering 100%. You know, right out of the gate, right? So we've covered like, we've gone very woo-woo on this podcast, eh? but we've covered what is sales, how to improve at sales, so for you, it was just continually getting better, continuous coaching. For me, it's listening to call recordings of myself and others. But the third pillar, and I think it's going to wrap this up beautifully, is the myths of sales. Because everything we discussed today in regards to what is sales, if a typical salesperson were listening, that they would think, those guys are crazy. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. They, they haven't been doing the ABCs, always been closing. Yeah. So like, what do you feel like are some of the myths of sales? Because before we went live, I, I told you that, I saw my uh, parent, uh, my my in-laws on the weekend, and I am call it embarrassed, call it not open about my my love of sales due to what they think sales Thanks. is. Yeah. What are the myths of sales? That's a good question, and I don't even. I mean, I guess I guess I kind of have a little bit of that thing too because I haven't had a whole lot of opportunity when people are like, "Oh, what are you doing now?" I'm like, oh, "I'm in sales." Like I haven't. <laughs> had that, that hasn't been my answer like because it, i don't feel like that word is, encompasses what we do with what i think people think that means 
but I guess what does that mean? I guess I think I feel like ultimately it's the, Hey, you're going to try to make me do something. Hey, you're going to try to make me buy something. What are you trying to sell me? You're trying, to, you're trying to pull a fast when you're trying to get one over me. Yeah. So again, like dark arts, manipulation, manipulation. I think that's a big word. That's actually, that's it. Salespeople are manipulative. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest one. And so that's where, that's where it's nice on calls when people are like, Hey, thanks for having a conversation. I don't feel like you were putting me like, sometimes it's funny. They're like, I don't feel like you were just, you know, putting me through the script or putting me through a process. And I'm like, okay, well, it's definitely, we were, we definitely have a process, Yeah. but, but, it, but it's done in a genuine and authentic way. So, and authentic way. Mm-hmm. So I think it does another thing that could come to it as well, where it's an inauthentic mess that people feel like salespeople are just there to put something on someone. And again, when people, when you ask questions properly and people are like, wow, the lady that told me this the other day, she's like, this is a totally different call than I'm very used to. Like you didn't just talk at me the whole time. You actually asked me questions, find out what I'm actually wanting. So I think boiler room and Wolf of Wall Street have a lot to answer for in terms of how South people view. Now, I love the Wolf of Wall Street, one of my favorite movies of all time. But let's not forget, Jordan Belfort did go to prison. (laughs) Yeah. And and, then it comes out of like human culture and development of civilization, like 20th century, even in the last century. And like you start talking about like the different eras and, and that comes down to communication and technology, which is, again, goes back into music where technology affects how we listen to music and the type of music that's made, which is a totally different conversation. But I think they're very parallel in the way that sales mirrors popular culture. And especially since, from was it, 2008, you know, as trust has continued to decline mm-hmm. with the internet developing the way that it is, you have to, you have to connect with people differently and you have to, Again, it comes back full circle, really, to authentic human connection and just do what's best for the person there. And, you know, also accept the fact that they're going to want to stay in their comfort zone and that they're going to fight to stay in their comfort zone and that you're there to help them. When when you call your sales call or sales consultation, like coaches to get around that will call it a strategy session. And I think strategy is the right word because you're going to have people that come on a call with you with strategically you can't help them and maybe it is not the right time. Maybe there are bad fits out there. If you go into that call with an open mind saying this can go one of five ways, I'm going to ask the right questions, walk them down a path, follow my process, that person will get to the outcome that's right for them. Yeah. And not being and, – and because if you come in through that, when, when I come into it with that perspective, I notice a big shift. In my, and if I slide into the, oh, like I, I just like, oh, this is going to be good for him. I need to – no, like – Okay, no, you, this woman, like last week, you know, there was a program that was very like, it's a six week commitment and we do six weeks, six weeks, six weeks, six weeks. You don't have to do two six out of six weeks, but we want, if you're going to do one set of six weeks, we want you to be there for six weeks. And she needed to go visit her mom who was sick, who she hasn't seen in a long time. And she had been planning to do it. So, you know, for a minute, I was like, I, I, I went down that road with her for a little bit being like, well, how long do you want to keep putting this off? But I was like, yeah, you need to go see your mom. So then I started selling her on that. 
And I was like, well, when you need to go see her, like, how long do you feel like you should put that off? Okay, go see your mom, do what you need to do, and then come back and do this. And then I got her back on commitment about actually making the change with the program because that was what's in her best interest from what yeah. she told me. Right? Starting a fitness program tomorrow is nowhere near as important as going and see a sick mother, of course. Yeah. And if you're a salesperson and going back to the sales, always be closing. If someone tells you, hey, my mom's sick and you gloss over it, punch them through a script, can I have your credit card? You are not going to last in this industry. Yeah, it's just not good. And then plus we all know, like in our own subconscious, it's going to pick that stuff up and you're going to start sleeping like shit. <laughs> like You're going to start making poor decisions for yourself and like all yeah, kinds of other see, things. You want to see your mom? <laughs> yeah. Like you got to, yeah, again, just in the congru- congruence, integrity, it's all really important. So he's otherwise like, you know, what the hell? So. Yeah, you're the fifth high-ticket closer I've had in this podcast, Abe, and they all say the same things in regards to it's just about having a conversation. And I'm going to keep having high-ticket closers on this podcast so people realize it's just about having a conversation and caring about the prospects, genuinely caring what is the best outcome for them, having a conversation, getting to know them, and hopefully if you do your job right because you know that your product can help them, they will make the decision to join you're not shoving it down their throat. Yeah. And then that's fun. It's a good time. It's great when it, like they're going to make a change and you know, they're going to go get the result. And then you watch that the results happen and you hear back and they're like, Oh man, that's just like the best. Cool. Because then it makes the world better. Ultimately, like one through one, making the world better one sales call at a time. Right. So there you go for a myth. Sales is yeah. making the world better. Like, yeah, I think, uh, Brooke, who I believe is the best fitness closure in the country, one of my sales mentors, her like bios, like changing the world one conversation at a time. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Abe, like I like to end this podcast with one question. It's very woo-woo actually. Love it. What question should have I asked you that I didn't ask you? Oh Lord. Oh, I don't even know. That's a, I don't know. Cause again, there's so many options there. Like, I mean, they can go, I have no idea, honestly. Come on, mate. Think fast. Mm. I honestly don't know. Seriously. Like right. it stumps everyone. Yeah. It stumps everyone. Oh, good mate. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. We've covered a lot about sales, making choices, decisions, life. Thank you so much. Abe, have a lovely, lovely day. And I'll talk to you later. You as well. All right, Jimmy. Cheers. Cheers.